If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today's guest is Emma Morell. Emma's an eventing specialist, she's a competitor, trainer, coach and coach educator and she's also working full-time in equine education, something that she's done both in Australia and overseas. How are you, Emma? I'm very well, thanks, Gunnar. <laughs> Good. Emma, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us today, something that you either use while you're teaching or something that's inspired you? Yeah, I think that's a great question, actually, you have, because I think quotes are great things to have at the back of your mind. I think the one I like, and I'm not sure if it's attributed to Winston Churchill, Abraham Lincoln, it depends what you read, but success is the ability to go from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. And I think with horses, that's what we sometimes have to remember. That you've just got to keep on going and you've just got to keep motivated and you'll get there in the end. I think we've had one or two from Winston Churchill, but I don't think we've had that particular one. And I think that's all about persistence. I think that's something definitely that's needed with horses, with training and working in the horse industry. What about you, Emma? When did you actually first start with horses? What's your first memories there? I actually started quite late. I mean, I came from the city. My parents were sort of academics. We weren't country people. Although having said that, my grandfather was a racehorse trainer when my father was younger. So I suppose it's in the blood, as they say. I was lucky enough that my friend moved into a suburb and her next door neighbour was a member of a pony club called Box Hill Pony Club, which is a suburb of Melbourne. And I started there as an unmounted member and I really didn't start until I was 15 or 16. And again, I think it's that idea that it's never too late and if you really love, if it's in your blood and you want to do it, then it's never too late to start. Yeah, I, I think I'm one of those that started a bit like always wanted to ride but didn't actually save up and get my first horse until mm. I was about 15. So, you know, I think I started a bit late as well. But, yeah, in your blood, got to keep going, keep doing it. And it's, sometimes that's not a bad thing mm. Mm. because I think sometimes when it's, it's something you've waited for and really wanted, then you appreciate it rather than it being thrust upon you maybe without any choices. Yes, yes, I think so. Yeah. It's still a long way from being an unmounted member at Box Hill Pony Club. When did you actually decide to have a career with horses? Did you decide then? How did you go about getting your first horse? Just give us a little bit of a story there. Yeah, so I got my first horse when I was about 16. And, I mean, he was a terror really when I think about it. But, again, that that quote about perseverance certainly (laughs) paid off there. And I always had ridden and I really did enjoy the competing side and I enjoyed training. I always had loved animals, I suppose. But it wasn't something I considered doing when I was younger because I actually didn't realise it was something you could do as a career. And that's why I love doing what I do now in equine education, to open up the world to people. And actually, it's a huge industry that you can be part of. So for me, it was sort of the pony club starting and then the coaching. And then I thought, yeah, I do want to ride a bit better and a bit more professionally. So I went and worked in um, New South Wales for Heath Ryan and then I went to university and I just did an arts degree. And then I thought, oh, I better do something that will actually get me a job. So I did a dip ed 
And from there, I went overseas and got a job in equine education in the UK, in the Cotswolds. And it really started from there that I thought, yeah, this is something I'm really loving. The, the mix of the horses and having other people around you that are really keen and enthusiastic to be part of this industry. And so I just kept chipping away at it. And I was lucky enough that when I came back from the UK, I could find a, a position that really suited me. Sometimes those things just happen to fall in your lap. Sometimes though, you've got to take advantage of opportunities that do come along. And even if they're opportunities that are a bit sideways, sometimes, you know, you might be focused on one thing, but something else comes up that's a little bit sideways that will lead you to your career or where you want to go. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I always try and say to my students and my and you know, people I coach, you're best to say yes and then decide. But if you turn everything down, but if you say yes to things, you never know where it's going to take you. Yes is better than no. Yeah, yeah. And I think particularly with the changing areas of equine education too, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, I can remember when I was, you know, when I had my first pony, I didn't think I'd be talking on a podcast and it was all we did do with horses. There's always opportunities (laughs) coming up that haven't even been invented yet. That's absolutely right. And I think because the world is so much more global now and, it, the world is your oyster in those situations and the more things you can create and be a bit entrepreneurial about them maybe as well. Yep, yep. Now what about people, you know, because everyone wants to work with horses and work in the horse industry, what do you think the core skills or the character traits are that people need to start working in the industry? Yeah, it's a tough question, isn't it? Because so many people that are successful have such different qualities. I mean, I obviously think, you know, hard work and dedication is part of it, but that's part of any job to be a success in. I think the love of the animal has to be number one because, you know, there are some days where you just don't want to go outside or you don't want to have to, you know, do the things you know you should do, but because the animal's there needing you. So I think that love of the animal is really, really important. I also think the ability to do what you say you'll do. You know, if you say you're going to do it, you need to live by your word and actually do it and be a little bit honest with yourself because horses are great levellers and I think that that level of self-analysis is really important so that you know what you're capable of and where your strengths and weaknesses are and not to emotionally invest too much. You know, horses, as we said, are great levellers and sometimes you're so invested and committed in them and something backfires and then you just think your whole world has collapsed. So I think that resilience of knowing that there's always another day, there's always tomorrow, you always improve. It's never too late to keep learning and I think being open-minded is really important too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Who do you think's really influenced you? You talked a little bit earlier about Heathrow Iron. Anyone else that you'd like to say? Yeah, there's a a lot of people out there, you know, from a distance often you're influenced by people that you read. Heath obviously was an early influence for me. I was a bit starstruck when I first went to work there. But the man, such motivation and energy and passion and enthusiasm for what he does. I mean, the energy levels that when you do something you love and you can just see it comes out of every pore of his body. You know, Shane Rose is another one I just think has this amazing work ethic and this amazing drive, which I think is very refreshing and motivating. Um, I think Andrew McLean is someone who's wonderful because he has such a lovely, gentle approach, academic approach, easy you know not everyone's a natural we say a natural in the horse world but what does that really mean and is there really such a thing we can all get better by practice and learning and I think surrounding yourself and having a mentor and having people that you really do look up to is really important in this industry Uh, having someone that you really respect and want to follow 
and learn from them. Surround yourself by the best people, you know, learn from the best people. Watch the videos of the best writers. Read everything they say. What are they doing that's different from everyone else? Yeah, yeah. And what about horses? Have there been particular horses that have influenced you? I think every horse has a bit of an influence. They're great teachers, aren't they? And you learn something from every horse, you know, good or bad about yourself. Certainly, my first good eventing horse was really special to me. You know, I got up to two-star, which I never thought I'd do starting at 16 and riding and, you know, not being able to do a rising trot. (laughs) But I think every day that I ride, I think every horse has been a little bit special in one way or the other. And any time you've got to sell one or something, it's always a bit of your soul that's got to go with it sometimes. Yes, I know. Sometimes it can be quite sad. Everyone's got different lives and different paths, but it can be quite sad when, uh, you know, when you have to split with a Mm. horse that you've had a lot to do with. Yeah. What do you think has been your proudest moment? I think certainly with the education aspect, being able to help people achieve something they thought that wasn't possible. So, you know, we often get people coming in that maybe don't have a good background in equine education or any equine experience and seeing them really open their eyes and join an industry that they're really passionate about and love. So I think those moments where graduates come back to you and say, if it wasn't for, you know, coming here and, you know, being instructed by you and giving advice, I wouldn't have done what I've done. And that that's where the proudest moment. I think, you know, the horse moments you ride, you're always a bit proud because sometimes you're really proud about getting over a cross rail that day because that horse has been really difficult and, you know, for other people it's a metre 40 fences. But yeah. I think it's that just that understanding that sometimes just being able to open a door for someone and hope mm-hmm. to give them the life that they want. Yes, 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 I think that's good. And I think sometimes, you know, different areas of the horse industry really specialise in that. Others it's a bit, you know, it just comes along as well as everything else. Mm. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're right. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory with practical components that can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Thanks. Thinking about, you know, putting on your, your role as an educator, as a horse person, as a coach, coach educator, what do you think is a common problem that people have with horses riding or handling that you could talk about today, what the problem is and also how to fix it? I think, and we're all guilty of this sometimes, you want the end result yesterday. You know, you want to get there quickly. And I think sometimes we do want to hurry things and we just don't take a breath. And we are sometimes a little bit emotionally invested. Like a lot of people I teach, they get very frustrated easily with the horse because, you know, they feel it reflects upon them. You know, it's not going properly. I'm not doing well enough. What are people going to think? But, you know, the horse's brain is so different to ours. And I think, and that's why I think Andrew McLean's so great, you know, that understanding of how that the animal's brain works and how we need to work alongside that. And, you know, sometimes you just got to take a breath and start again and not hurry things and not expect the horse to know exactly what you want. They're not mind readers. And not to be upset. Like if people think you're having a bad day, well, that's fine, you might be having a bad day, but tomorrow might be a better day. Don't worry what other people think. It's about if you know you're doing the right thing and you know you're being ethical and you're doing the best you can, then that's all that matters. Yeah. And we talked about before, you know, just about proudest moments and 
you know, what people achieve, what's possible, not possible. What do you think your biggest challenge has been? That's a tough question. I think, you know, you've obviously got your daily challenges sometimes of working full time and trying to balance everything in life. Probably the biggest challenge for me is understanding that when you're working with people that are just starting out and um, people that are that are just learning, that maybe they don't have the same motivation and enthusiasm as you yet. So not expecting too much from people because, you know, when you have that yourself, you think everyone in the world should feel like this. But sometimes it takes people a little longer to get there or to find their own path. So allowing people, and a bit like with the horses, you know, allowing them their own time and allowing them to find their own path and not being too frustrated by what you might see as people's lack of dedication. Yeah, it's funny because you were talking about the training tip, you know, and about you talked about Andrew and understanding the horse's brain and the way the horse thinks to have that bit of empathy with the horse, but you're coming across it in education. You've got to understand the way that the student comes in, the way the student thinks and have that bit of empathy, but still try and get them over to, you know, the reasons why. And you still got that training. So you're training students and you're training horses, having that empathy and juggling it. So it, um, Yes, it becomes quite quite big, doesn't it? Absolutely, and particularly when you can see potential in people, mm. and you, you just—it's like with the horse again—you just got to go. Okay, take a breath; it'll come, it'll be fine. Don't push it too much. But there's that potential in people, and I think you know the generations change. You have to understand the context of what people come from. Not every background is the same. Younger generations have different requirements and different ways of learning. And Facebook, you know, obsessed <laughs> by the digital world. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, just going on to do with the learning, because we do a lot with the digital world, the online learning and books and everything else. Have you got something that you could say would complement our listeners to do with their, I suppose, increasing their education? I just think you've always got to think, I never know at all. There's so much more that I need to do and where can I find that and now we're so lucky with the digital world I mean you can click on an SEO website and look at any video of people riding you know watching the good people what do they do not just watching it as as a big picture but actually breaking it down and saying right what is Mikkel Jung doing at that fence how is he riding how is he looking I also think that you know books are still really important and I mean I love going to my library and pulling things out and just reading things and learning, you know, vet notes and things like that, lameless books. As much as you can know about the animal, the better, because then you're going to not only have empathy for the brain, but actually understand the mechanics of it as well. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, one of the books that I love is um, That Winning Feeling. It's something I've had since I was quite young. I always recommend it to my students as well, because it is that mind over matter sometimes when there's a challenge you know, up ahead. And so sometimes just keeping that positivity and and knowing that you don't have to be out there on the horse six hours a day to still improve yourself. So that would be my one book that I do recommend to most of my students. Okay, okay. All right. Emma, what are you looking forward to? What does the next 12 months hold? Have you got, um, you know, horses? How are you going competitive-wise? Have you got competitions that you're looking at coming to, coach students that you've got? Yeah, so I've got um, some really nice horses at the moment, three nice horses that are going. I mean, I'm, I'm no superstar rider. I like to coach and train young horses. So I love getting horses off the track and, you know, educating them and then selling them on. So I've got some nice ones at the moment and we'll be starting in the new year. And it's great because I do take the students out with their competitions and we go as a bit of a team and have a bit of fun there. And it's great to see them. Sometimes it's their first time out competing 
So, yeah, we'll be looking forward to the new year. We're great because I'm from Victoria. It's fantastic because you can travel two hours and there's just a competition almost every weekend. So there'll be quite a few events, the Ballarat, Marcus Old Ballarat Horse Trials I love going to, um, looking forward to, you know, taking a bunch of students there. Okay, good. And Emma, can you sum up your philosophy into a lesson today for our listeners, something that they can take away? I just think you have to do what you love. And then it's that cliche that, you know, if you're doing a job you love, then you never work a day in your life. And sometimes those cliches are so true. And I think if you can bounce out of bed that day and think, yep, I can't wait for this day to start. I can't wait to work those horses. I can't wait to get, you know, get my teeth into something. Then you'll be happy. Life is too short not to enjoy what you're doing. You know, and as you get older, you realise that because things, you know, time goes so quickly. So do what you love. Find out what it is and don't let anyone else tell you you can't do it or you shouldn't do it. Do what you love. Okay, good, good. And Emma, have you got an email or phone number that people can contact you? Yeah, so I've got an an email people can contact me on and that is morel, M-O-R-E-L, at Marcus Oldham, M-A-R-C-U-S-O-L-D-H-A-M, dot vic, Victoria, dot edu for education, dot au. Okay, great. And that'll also be on your profile page at Horse Chats, which will be horsechats.com slash Emma Morell. Emma, thanks very much for talking to us today. I've certainly enjoyed talking to you and look forward to talking to you again sometime. That's great. Thanks for your time, Glennis. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 